Well, you know, when you hear that tune, it's time for your favorite sporting podcast, your favorite hockey podcast, your favorite everything podcast. It is another episode of Hockey the Podcast. We are into three figures well and truly now. Welcome to episode 102. And uh, as always, we've got a cracker of a guest lined up. Uh, One of the biggest names, in fact, that we've had. And uh, no, I'm not talking about Tyron Jabu Barnard. He's in every single episode. He is the permanent guest, but it's always great to have him nonetheless. How are you doing, Ty? Uh, Derek, good afternoon. Yeah, I'm good. It's, uh, yeah, been a little bit quiet on the hockey front as uh, we've had all the franchise kind of cups happening and stuff, but obviously not much in terms of international action right now as the calm after the storm of Tokyo has happened. Um, but we're building up. We've got uh, the the RPT coming up for the women. We've got the under-21 men and women going to their Junior World Cups. The African Cup in January for our men and women. The end of the World Cup in February. It's an action-packed next 12 months. Of course, next year there is the Commonwealth Games, followed not that long la- later by the Outdoor Hockey World Cup back in India for the men. Um, the women will play in Holland and Spain. So it's going to be great. Um but yeah, it's just a good time to be able to reflect on what's happened in the past uh, couple of months. And obviously one of those things was the Tokyo Olympics and that iconic moment in South African sports when the SA men beat Germany. Yeah, there's no question that that certainly set South Africa alight with regards to knowledge about hockey. It was so great to see because there's no doubt. I mean, uh, people have been following the exploits of, of the hockey side, but it certainly gets a bigger spotlight when the Olympics rolls around. And then when a side defeats a team uh, of the stature of Germany, and, and you don't need to even be a, a hockey aficionado to know that beating Germany is a big thing because uh, I, I think everyone kind of assumes that European sides are, are, are top-notch. And when you think of European teams in any sport, uh, Germany's right up there. And, and it was amazing to see the reaction of, of people in South Africa to that victory because, I mean, you and I both know we had friends from all corners uh, saying what a fantastic win that was. And, I mean, those friends, I'd be surprised if they knew which end is the correct end of a hockey stick. And, and it's amazing how, how big an impact it had on, on, on South Africa's psyche, especially given the fact that, I mean, the Olympics was taking place a, a year later. Uh, we're in the doldrums of COVID. Everything and anything that uh, was happening in South Africa was pretty depressing. And then you get a result like that on the back of the exploits of Tatiana Skunmarker and uh, uh, Bianca, uh, Bianca Batenduck. So, yeah, it, it was great to see. Yeah, undoubtedly the team performance of the Olympic Games bar any team. Um, you could argue the India men getting their bronze was was the one iconic thing, but these South African men, the way we uh, took the game to Netherlands, the way we never backed down against Belgium, and of course taking it home with a, a victory against Germany was was the cherry on the top of the cake. Uh, it was, you know, sometimes uh, you get offered something and uh, just get snatched away from you at the last moment. These men were determined not to let it be taken away. And there's just such an excitement around the squad right now that, uh, you know, it would have been uh, remiss to try and not get one of the central figures of the spot squad here to have a chat about their career and, of course, that game. And and so without further ado, because I, I know you love listening to myself and, and Derek <laughs> chat, you really come to the podcast for the guests and 
there's none other than current SA men's captain, Tim Drummond, uh, joining us today. Tim, welcome. Thanks for making the time. And uh, yeah, I mean, just listening to the impact of what you guys d- did must be something really special. It does. Thanks, Ty. And it's, I think you've hit the nail on the head that we we really did want to try and put in performances that would, one, just give us more belief that we feel we can play against these top teams. And then also leaving Tokyo, giving people back home uh, a lot of hope who don't know much about hockey and maybe want to start playing hockey. And uh, we feel we, we've achieved that to a certain degree, but there's such a desire within the squad at the moment to do even better, which is, yeah, it was hugely encouraging leaving Tokyo that there's there's more, there's more, and we, we all want it, which is exciting. Yeah, and, and I mean, if you do look back, I mean, obviously, uh, you've played 150 test matches for South Africa now. That, that 4-3 against Germany must rank as one of the best of that 150. Yeah, it was, it was very special. And what, what, when I reflect on, on that game and even just the 24 hours before it, we had a, a players meeting. We actually sat in a circle at the bottom of the Olympic Village uh, on, a, on a grassy patch. And there was such genuine belief amongst the guys that we could do something against the Germans and that had never been done before, beating them at, at a, an Olympic Games. And leaving that meeting, often you feel as an athlete or or any sports woman, man or woman, that you go into a game feeling super confident or the belief that you can do something that's unexpected. And, yeah, just from the from the warm-up, from the first whistle, even at, on the bus, the breakfast before, there was just that genuine belief. And, and that was something that I'll never forget, and I'm sure the guys involved will never forget. And then, yeah, onto the performance, it was just huge fight and a real South African gutsy, resilient performance that you know, we will never forget as well. Tim, what was it like following the game? Because I don't want to say bittersweet at all, because, of course, you had Canada to come, but by all intents and purposes, it looked as if the Olympics would have been over for you guys following the Canada game. But, I mean, so so you had a, a few losses leading up to this game against Germany, and there's no question you go into the match saying, you know, we have to go, if we're going to go down, we have to go down fighting, and that's exactly what you did. And you came out shining, a, a tremendous result, as mentioned, had a tremendous impact back home. And, and when did it sink in, what, what you had achieved? Uh, a team from the corner of the world uh, where, where hockey, as we know, doesn't get great funding, doesn't get great coverage, and uh, to defeat one of the giants of the game. Um, I mean, was it immediate? Did you know what you had achieved or, or had you sit there and, and, and had to take it all in first? Uh, it was it was a little bit of, of immediate just impact on on what we had done. We were in the change room afterwards, and we had a special moment with the group where we tried to just soak it up, and, and we had a photo, and the guys will never forget that photo in the change room. But then there was such a quick turnaround, uh, less than 24 hours, the Canada game, that we had to really yeah enjoy that moment of beating Germany, but then focus on Canada because we knew how important that game was. And then I think the real impact of, of what we had done against Germany was when we got home, and people were just yeah, commenting on that game and, and how how excited they were for hockey. And like I said, when you said in your intro that people that don't even know hockey had watched that game and were just so inspired and so encouraged about the fight and the, the South African spirit. So I think only after after we got back to South Africa, then it, then it really did sink in on, on what we had achieved against Germans. 
Yeah, I mean, I followed the, the Olympics from start to finish and, and every minute in between and all sports and, and particularly the South African participation, unquestionably. And I was actually chatting to, to Ty and a, a few friends of mine saying it's amazing how South Africa, when it comes to the Olympics, it's not that we, we dominate the medals table, but we do somehow manage to pull off performances that are remembered for, for years mm-hmm. to come. And not just in South Africa, I'm talking about internationally. So you look back at 2004 Athens, for instance, you've got mm-hmm. uh, the awesome foursome here and uh, with Rake Nietling, et cetera. And then uh, 1996, Josiah Teguane, we had Penny Haynes. Uh, and then you just go through the, the different um, Olympics, wait for Nikak, I mean, Casa Semenya. It's performances that, that really, really stand out. And, but those are in, in sports which are very dominant in the Olympic fold. Uh, track and field, swimming, uh, they, they're synonymous with Olympics. Hockey, they're synonymous with the Olympics for hockey players, not necessarily for the average fan. And, and this is one of those moments you know, you're a part of history mm. where people will look back and they go, remember when South Africa defeated Germany, um, who are giants of the game, again. So, and again, how does that feel to, 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 to know that, uh, yeah, you, you form part of that kaleidoscope of this amazing impact that South Africa has had on the Olympics? Yeah, it's, it's obviously very encouraging. And it's, it's something that we said as a group before going to Tokyo that we kind of felt we need to do something special as a group to try and, yeah, further our careers in the sports, further hockey in the Olympics and and try ultimately attract a, a sponsor so we could continue to, to climb the world rankings. And yeah, it's 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 obviously very tough to do, but it it was something that yeah, we, we really needed to do because we were talking a great game before the Olympics with amongst ourselves and and we needed a performance. So yeah, we, we really try to push to get to the, to the next round and to get to the quarterfinals because we knew then, sure, then anything was possible. And, and then the dream of trying to play in a semifinal or final or win a medal. So, yeah, it's it's something that needs to be backed up, unfortunately. So we, we had a really good performance in Tokyo and we really need to try and, and be consistent in our performances uh, throughout next year and going forward to the World Cup. And what, what one of the things you said was, you know, to create a better opportunity and a career for a lot of yourselves. I mean, we've seen subsequent to the Olympic Games, most of the team have now gone over to Europe and are playing there. I mean, Billy and Tuli is back at Harvest the Huda. Uh, you've got the four guys over at, uh, uh, at uh, Munchen Gladbach. Uh, Jethro Eustace has gone over. We've seen the likes of Chad Futcher go to Corinthians, um, uh, uh, Pibo Lombete at YMCA. So, so we've seen a really great uh, uptake of the South African men going overseas. In your opinion, how are we? Are, how, how could we now utilize this exposure to better quality hockey for the good of the team? Because it's all good and fine. Players going to go play over there. I mean, you you've had a, a wonderful career over there. So did Austin, Justin Reed Ross, Lloyd Norris Jones. But how do we utilize that now to strengthen the national team? Yeah, firstly, well, it's, uh, it's thanks to the to Gareth Ewing and, and head coach and the staff who are giving the guys encouragement to go and play overseas and to try and improve their own personal development and see what life's like overseas and, and out of their comfort zone. So I think it wouldn't happen if we weren't encouraged from him and that he's considerate towards the European or the, the UK program and then co- uh, coincides with the national program. So that's the first thing. And then Secondly, it's just a pity that the 
Olympics wasn't a little bit early in the year because obviously for us we, as SA players, we don't get that much exposure. So I think if some of these European teams had seen the guys at the Olympics, then they would have been snapped up by some of the top clubs in Europe and then earn a better salary and, and maybe prolong their, their careers in hockey here. But from a, a hockey perspective and development point of view, it, the guys are learning so much about different tactics, about playing against the best players in the world and, and being comfortable about playing against these best players in the world. So when we do play against them internationally, there's a real lack of fear of some of these icons that you look up on when you watch TV or watch the international game. So I think when, when guys come back to the national setup, when we have a camp in, in South Africa, then there's a real sense of confidence that they really are trying to improve each other and in the group. And yeah, you, you'll get your draw from experiences from guys who are playing club hockey in Germany, the UK, to, to Belgium, to Holland, to everywhere. So it can only benefit us as a national squad. And, and it's quite exciting now that we have guys dotted everywhere. And yeah, if, if you can get that opportunity, obviously we've got guys back home in the national squad. We've got family and work committees, work commitments. And yeah, as a group, we fully respect that. So it's a real diverse group and, and that's what's going to be exciting going forward. Tim, so you, you uh, obviously talking about the clubs, you've just changed clubs in the current season, moving to Hardy AM. How's the change going? How are you enjoying the new club, the new surroundings? Uh, and, and also, I mean, if you don't mind, take us through some of your club career and the highs you've had, the lows you've had, um, um, the things that uh, our listeners would love to hear about your journey. Sure, you know, I've been very fortunate to have quite a, a smooth change to, to my new club. It's, it's still situated in The Hague where I'm currently living with my fiance and it's, I can cycle to the club. So that's been a huge bonus. And I'm involved in a group who are hugely talented and got a, a very inspiring vision to, to try and get promoted to the Hope Cluster. And you know, everything is in Dutch and I'm the only English-speaking guy, but that forces me to learn and adapt and integrate into the squad. And it's, yeah, they've been hugely welcoming and it's a, it's a club that has great ambition. So we currently top of the table and it's, it's been a, a good start for us. And I'm yeah, looking, really looking forward to this, the rest of the season and, and seeing if we can achieve our goal getting promoted. And in terms of club, yeah, call me a journeyman or a traveler or a caravan traveler. I've gone pretty much all over the place. Started in in Germany, with, uh, where four of our guys currently are playing, our national guys, and that was at Wuching Gladbach. And then I uh, went across to Australia for a season, played in Perth, then back to Germany, then to Malaysia, New Zealand, and ended up, yeah, uh, staying in Holland at the moment for the last three years. So it's been wherever I could get an opportunity to try and, and improve my, my game and and yeah, wherever there was an opportunity to, to play hockey, which coincided with the national program. So yeah, I've been very grateful to, to go to all these places. And then if, you, if I did have you know, the opportunity to travel while I was in these areas, that's a huge passion of mine to, to see the country and experience the culture. So yeah, many, many great relationships uh, along, along the way. And yeah, I'm just uh, very excited to see the current guys in our national squad who getting to all these countries and, and seeing what hockey's like outside of South Africa. I know Derek's going to latch onto the travel now, but but you made an interesting point there. You take any opportunity to, uh, you know, grow yourself, develop yourself. I mean, a youngster looking at you and saying, it's 150 caps. I mean, it's, it's a lot of sacrifice and stuff. 
mean, how, how did you make a decision like, okay, now I'm going to go to Australia or now I'm going to go to Malaysia? Was it just the way the cards fell? Or was there um, something specific you were looking at at the time? Uh, a bit of both. I, I was fortunate. I was at the under-21 World Cup and I got approached by uh, one of the German assistant coaches that said, come, come for a season, come play club hockey in Germany. So I thought this was um, an incredible opportunity and the ability to go travel and, and play in Germany. So I, yeah, straight away I jumped on a plane and, and headed there. And then it just led to other opportunities. And yeah, it, it was more... Like I was saying earlier, just the, the travel opportunity and then just to play hockey and then go back home and play hockey again and travel. I thought this was super exciting and I could continue. I was studying through East at the time. So that was the big question um, with my academic studies to go to university or to carry on playing hockey. And once I worked out the way of, of writing exams wherever I was around the world, then, then it all seemed to work out quite well for me. So... Yeah, it, it's not for everyone. And I was fortunate at the time I wasn't married or had kids. So it was, it was quite easy to, to just pack up a bag and, and head over to wherever the opportunity uh, presented itself. I would I would say it's, it's for most people, but because I just absolutely love it. And, and Ty read me like a book there. Of course, I'm going to jump into the travel angle because I always notch onto this once I hear our guests speak about the various countries that they've been to, because I'm always curious to know where are the best countries that you've been to. Let's let's have a, a top three from Tim Drummond. Tim's top three. Uh, Tim's top three. Yo, we could be all there. I think to break it down from culture to people to food, but I thought New Zealand was a very special place, and uh, I find it was very similar to South Africa with people and the scenery and everything outdoors. Uh, and uh, Australia would maybe be good number two, and I think um, I think India would definitely be number three. India, I, I always find India a special place. The people are incredible. The the cuisine, just the vibe and the organised chaos of India. So I think those would be my top three. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you with regards to those three. Not my top three, but. Uh, Three wonderful countries that certainly cracked my my top ten. And, and interestingly enough, you you mentioned three countries that are very very good at cricket as well, which uh, that means that they share a very similar skill with yourself. Because not only are you an accomplished hockey player, but I understand that uh, the cricket lost you to hockey. If that's not not my if I'm not mistaken. Well, my hockey teammates wouldn't think so. The way I I. <laughs> Currently play in the hotel corridor cricket halls, and I've got Smith bowling me top of off most of most of my attempts there. But yeah, I had a little stint of cricket and and trying to get that a go, and that's why I really enjoy standing on the post uh, for for any hockey short corner because yeah, I think it's like a bouncer coming at my head that I try it over square leg or <laughs> just feel like it's a bowler running in, and it's great to see. Uh, the disappointment in the drag flicker's face if, he, if the ball gets hit somewhere or doesn't go to the top corner where he expects it to go. So, yeah, luckily that's that's helped me with that skill in hockey. But it's, it was two sports where I had to make a decision and, yeah, I went the hockey way and have no regrets at all going. Or my fiance wouldn't think I have a regret going the hockey way. Do you, do you follow <laughs> the... Yeah, I've got to ask, do, do you follow the exploits of the, the cricket sides, uh, the Proteus? I do, I do. I've still got a few friends who play, whether it's club or provincial, um, 
yeah, and it's it's something that I will track and see how they're doing and see how Cricket South Africa is doing as well. Yeah, it, especially it, with the it, World Cup coming up. Well, well, it's pretty amazing because we're speaking to you two days into the competition, and and South Africa is actually uh, currently up against Afghanistan, and and they're cruising towards victory. There, it is a warm up match before they get their tournament mm-hmm. proper underway, and. Um, What's been really amazing is to see the amount of South Africa-born players starring so far. We're two days into the tournament, and on day one, you had Scotland pulling off a giant killing against Bangladesh. Mm. And in it, uh, Joburg born and raised Greaves, Chris Greaves, uh, was man of the yeah. match. He, he scored 40-odd, and uh, I think he took two sticks. And then today, Ty, uh, the day that we're speaking, uh, Netherlands up against Ireland, and a South African-born player took four wickets and four balls. Yeah, Curtis Camper from St. Stidian's College. <laughs> no, no, Ruloff was the fourth wicket he took. But it's quite interesting because, Tim, you are one of the few players, uh, well, a few hockey players around that actually have a profile on Crick Info. And uh, obviously it goes a few years back uh, well, you still got a stats page there. So, I mean, I can tell you that based on what they captured, you had a career best 125 in list A. But, mm. uh, you know, in that statement alone, that shows you quite a, a remarkable difference between cricket and and hockey. Over the past couple of years, we've got the FIH TMS that has slowly but surely brought a bit of credibility to the international caps. But there's nowhere that you could really go easily find where's all of Tim Drummond's uh, caps that you've played for clubs, your goals, that kind of thing. Whereas mm. cricket, I mean, I can tell you, you made your debut against uh, Southwestern Districts in 2008. I, I mean, when you look at that, how sometimes or how frustrating is it at times that, that hockey as a sport just has not embraced professionalism enough? Yeah, I think it's an interesting conversation because we we said as a group or as a national hockey group that you know we often look at the cricket, rugby, and football in South Africa, and we yeah we dream of getting the exposure and the support they get financially. But then we said to ourselves to feel sorry for ourselves, and then that regard is is not going to do ourselves any favour. And that's why a performance at the Olympics, beating Germany, or to back it up and do even a medal at the Commonwealth Games, we, we needed to, or we need to put in performances that we can we can get closer to those, the top three sports in South Africa. And it's going to require performances and it's going to require more exposure within our group, whether it's the men's or the ladies hockey. And, and then I think that will then lead to getting the professionalism of hockey in our country, that our players can spend more time playing hockey and less time obviously supporting themselves through through their working careers or studies and then playing hockey. So at the moment, we, we're very much amateur hockey players, but if we can try and get our players to be more professional and then um, compete against, or not compete, but get to a level where cricket, rugby and, and football is in our country, then I think, yeah, then, then the guys will get the exposure they deserve, I think. And then we'll find... For example, like the cricket info, we can maybe have a hockey info, and uh, there'll be there'll be funding for for people to to work on those sort of ways of communication. You know that that's a very good point. Sorry, Ty, to to jump in because you know it's amazing how much we rely on things that are online now, and and we we just live and die by it. And uh, 
you, when you say hockey getting to what a creek info has gone, I mean, there is no other sport that's got a creek info. You know, many have tried, but pretty much all of them have failed. And, mm. and it would be a great experiment to try and see how, how big and, and, and let, let be said though, Ty, I mean, the, 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 the hockey, uh, formats and, and the database that we use, I mean, they are pretty, pretty good. Uh, of course they're not to creek infos links, but, um, I mean, hockey is given pretty good coverage online, I, I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. I think you, and, and I think uh, the world of podcasting has has caught up mm-hmm. a little bit with hockey. I mean, you've got the reverse stick, you've got studio hockey, you've got uh, um, inside the D, you've got FIH doing it. Uh, you know, it's got a good social media presence. It's it's a well supported sport, and I think the. The, the problem with the sport is, is realistically, financially, it doesn't have the clout that some others do. And for hockey, still largely speaking globally, the, uh, the, the what is the, the right way, way to say this? The, the largest product is international sport. And so the FIH have tried to capitalize with the FIH Pro League, but... Uh, you know, if you look at football, which is a model that they're really trying to follow, the international product is really, and, and this is no disrespect meant to the World Cup or anything, but is really their secondary product. Their main product is club sport. And I think that's probably where hockey would benefit as if, if globally there was more of a, a club hockey focus. I think even in South Africa, uh, you know, we have some amazing club hockey games. Um you can watch the likes of Wanderers play Baloo, Western Province Cricket Club play Marty's, and you're seeing an incredible game of hockey. But we've got our, um, our our structure means that we have to have an IPT that often puts teams together that haven't played together all year, who don't practice together, and then go to a, a national tournament. And that is seen as our pinnacle. Um, and, and in terms of our code, that is what is required. But I can tell you right now, watching Tim play in the Hoofter class or even in the second class um, or, or whatever it actually is called, the promoted class or whatever its name is, you know, you're going to see more of Tim there playing with his team than when he comes back to South Africa and plays with the KZN Raiders who he hasn't played with all season. So it, it's an interesting thing. I think, uh, you know, Terry Whale, who came across from uh, FIFA to FIH, has the ideas in place, but I, I just don't know if we're trying to embrace the wrong part of our product. And yeah, I mean, when when your own World Cup is not the pinnacle of your your product, is that not a problem? I mean, that the Olympic Games is still the biggest part of uh, the biggest, highest ranking thing that you can do as a hockey player. I'm, I'm not sure what the answers are. Or if I'm even still connected and just talking to myself, but um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a very interesting thing. I think hockey as a sport has a great offering, but I think at times we're not that sure of our offering ourselves, and I think FIH themselves maybe aren't sure because, for example, launching hockey fives when they've got a version of hockey fives in indoor that is really, really good and easy to view and easy to take around just feels like we're not always on the same page and we're not always pulling in the same direction. Soapbox Derby done. (laughs) 
Tim, I, I mean, yeah, uh, we in, in wanted, terms we of your, your do, you, do you agree with Ty, Tim? Uh, it's such an interesting conversation, Ty, and I think it's like, well, one point I do agree with you that it is such a good product. Uh, even just watching the Olympic final of the men and the ladies and other events, I was fortunate to actually go and watch one of the hockey games, which yeah, I managed to sneak in somehow, but it, it is such a good product, and Howard is not at the same level as some of these other sports when with due respect at some of the football games, I've yeah, I will change the channel because I think it's slow and there's diving and all sorts of things where hockey is such a dynamic sport and it's, it's so entertaining to watch. So I yeah, I, I I also would be so interested to see what sort of commercial products could come of come of it that hockey can really get to levels such as football or or do we need to include the way the American sport happens where there's so much entertainment before, during and after the actual product and are people just going to watch uh, those American sports because of the entertainment that's happening in and around it but yeah uh, I'm blown away of how it's such a good product that it doesn't get the recognition it does of these other sports in, in the world yeah, it, it's it's a it's a question that I, I don't really have the answer to. But mm. what what has been interesting is what we can focus on is what we can control. And I mean, you've obviously now been part of the national men's team for a long time. You were you were there with Clarkey, you were there with uh, Charlie Pereira, you were there with uh, uh, Fabian Gregory. Um, I even have Mister Coach uh, Mark Hopkins. Um, now with Springs, I mean, what would you say is different about the current team from from the previous teams? Because, you know, you mentioned at the start, there's this fire, there's this hunger, there's there's this lack of fear. And uh, with no disrespect meant to any of our previous teams, we almost don't look like we're playing with the same chip on our shoulder that we've had before. Yeah, every team, like I say, has been different in, in terms of, uh, opportunities we had and and performances we put in, but I think with this current group amongst the youngsters, and maybe it's a, a generation thing that there is just a real fearless attitude in in who you're playing against and what you want to achieve, and it's there's still the respect there, but there's just I think a real belief in their own ability, and and then yeah, it's just contagious towards the rest of the guys in the team, so. That is what I've really noticed amongst this current group, that it's, it's something you you really have to feel. You can't just say, believe in yourself or this or that, because then it's, you, you try and it's, it's not a decision on yourself, and it's, it comes from a performance or an experience. So uh, that would be something that I would highlight amongst the current group, that now, especially after a, a good performance against the Dutch and then the great results against Germany, that now there's amongst the entire squad a real belief in, in, in trying to get or uh, beat these top teams in, in world hockey. So, yeah, I think that that would stand out for me amongst amongst this current group. And and some obviously now post the Olympics, we've had the retirement of Rossi Peterson. Uh, we've had the retirement of Austin Smith. We have had no other retirements yet. Um, you know. I, what do you say to the guys that are on the fringes and, and looking to take these responsibilities? And obviously, do you feel 
I mean, obviously, there's always a pressure as captain, but do you feel any more pressure now that more of your experienced players are are calling it quits? Uh, a, a different response to it, I think, obviously, credible what Rusty and Austin both did with the African hockey and and the legacy they've left amongst how they conducted themselves and and the influence they had on this current group and previous groups before them was was incredible. So what what they've left with the current group, I think, yeah, the guys are very fortunate to have been uh, played or played with and under both of those players. And I think there is a huge accountability among some of the guys who were sort of middle age, I say sort of late twenties, and and it's it's their opportunity now to to take responsibility and and be the senior players and in the squad, and and that happens in every team and and every sporting environment where. It's just the, the next phase, but uh, Springs has always made it very clear that he will select the strongest team. So you know that your your, your spot in the team is is never guaranteed, and, and that creates a real competitive environment amongst the, the squad, and and that's always healthy. I think if, if that's happening in place where yeah you've, you've got to really perform at training and perform in your club environment, and then come to the national setup and and make sure you, you're putting your best performances down so that you can. You can select you and the selectors. So it's a it's a healthy environment at the moment, and and the change of of players retiring and other players coming in, I think that's just natural, and and that's what's encouraging about our group that it's it's not a a big number of players that are retiring and, and guys coming in. It's a few that are retiring, and I think yeah, a few that are coming in. So so the general core of the of the team and the squad at the moment is is very solid, and and that's exciting. Tim, you say you you never guaranteed a spot. Uh, of course, that's correct. But when you captain, you pretty much have a head start over the rest, and that's not just because you captain, but because you're a player that's good enough to be captain. And as a result, uh, you, you you almost uh, guaranteed a spot. Uh, and to use a cricketing terminology, which you would certainly appreciate, I mean, you're almost reaching Graham Smith levels of of captaincy years uh, I think what's it about five or five or six years now that you've been wearing the armband and and was it something that you took to naturally was it something that you aspired to be was it something that you expected and looking back now over almost a decade uh, I mean is it have you enjoyed the role and uh, do you are you going to keep it uh, for the foreseeable future I'll leave that up to Springs to answer your last question there. But it's it's definitely a responsibility that I enjoy and it's, it's something that I know for myself personally that if if I, I don't um or if I go into my shell then I, I don't perform as well as I know I can be. So it's something where I enjoy helping other teammates try to fulfill their potential and that hopefully gets the best out of me. So I've been very fortunate to plan with some really good captains with it was in the, the national hockey setup or cricket, and and learn something from each of them, and try to to take something from each of them into my own style of captaincy. And it's been really enjoyable over the last sort of year and a half that we've got this leadership group, and it, it's got nothing to do with with number of caps or age. And it's a group that really reaches all corners of the of the greater squad. So. I struggled in the beginning as a captain to try and delegate and empower other players or other um, team members in the, in the leadership group. And this has been a really good uh, time for me to, to 
to share that responsibility. And yeah, it's, it's something I really enjoy and it's, it's definitely got its tough moments, but uh, it's, yeah, it's, it's a learning job and it's, it's something where I think it's, yeah, if it doesn't bring out the best in you, then, then it's not for you. Describe some of those tough moments. So when is it really something where it's, it's somewhat of a poison chalice? Uh, it varies. It's, um, you know, whether it's to a player that's disappointed that he's not getting enough game time or trying to, you know, make sure you, you're aligning the, the team culture in the right direction. And I think if, if the team culture is in place, then, then guys will, yeah, they, you, you head in the sort of same direction that the whole team wants to go. And anyone who wants to drift away, then, yeah, hopefully you can pull him back in. And it's, uh, yeah, there's there are all sorts of challenges in terms of on the field, uh, whether it's staying calm and keeping discipline and and not letting things boil over, boil over to off the field where yeah you just you want a competitive natural environment that guys are there's a lot of synergy in the group and and you're playing for a common goal and and the betterment of the team. So yeah, the, the challenges vary, but it's it's about being honest with them and, and being vulnerable as a group and, and accepting them and then trying to work out what's the best solution to conquer those challenges. And often, and being honest, I, I don't have all the answers. And initially, I, I thought it'd be the brave call to say I have every answer and then slowly works out that, yeah, just the answer team has to say I don't have the answer for the situation to solve it together. I, I, I've got to jump in once more time. Sorry, Ty. And I know that I've used this example often on the show, but I, I like bringing it up, particularly when chanting to captains of respective teams, because I, I'll retell the story again. If you haven't heard it, Tim, uh, chatting to a well-known cricketer a few years back, I asked him who was the worst captain he ever played under. And he gave the name of a very, very famous cricketer who's a, a South African living legend. And, and he said the guy was great, a, a really, really nice guy. But the problem was, because he was so talented, he couldn't understand players surrounding him not being able to reach that same level of talent. And, and I remember the word that this particular cricketer used. He said uh, he didn't understand mere mortals. And did, did you find that tough initially? Because there's no doubt about it, you're an extremely talented hockey player. And... Was it tough to, to get other players to, to try and replicate what you were able to do? Uh, I think it was a little bit different from my side of it because I always tried to understand the person first and then and then the player or the talent or whoever that, that individual was. So even now with this current squad, we've got players that are, are lo- love to play sports or hockey on the edge. And if you say to them, calm down or bring it back, then that's, it's just going to work in the reverse order. So, uh, yeah, I would like to spend time with each player and, and understand that that's not what I'm going to say to them or in a pressurized situation, what does he require from me? And I think that helped me to then understand that individual and then what's best for the team in that situation. And then it wouldn't, yeah, it was never, it was always about what's helpful for the team. And if it required a, a hard decision to say, to a player that you, you're out of line here and what, uh, what's helpful for the team is that, yeah, you need to you need to rein it in then that's what required. And initially when I was uh, in the role of captaincy, I would, I would take it quite personally because it was a relationship with a player that I thought, yeah, it could hurt our friendship. But then as soon as I was introduced to 
the simple line of what Tauko for the team, then yeah, it was it was quite a straightforward conversation to have with the player. So yeah, it's interesting. It's a, it's a daily learning uh, responsibility, but it's something yeah I really enjoy. Well, you know, Tim, you speak about it as a daily learning uh, responsibility, but you do have something in your camp that many people don't, is that you know, your fiancé is also an international heart. Um, you know, how often do the two of you chat about things and look uh, look at solutions together or lean on each other's experience? Obviously, her scenario is slightly different to yours in terms of her team and where they they sit in the, the picking order. But, I mean, how, how much of a, a, a strength is that to one another? Yeah, it's funny because often we will try and keep the hockey chat to, to just the game and it doesn't really make its way back to, to home. But occasionally it does. And it, it's very interesting because within the South African setup, we, we have the privilege of such a diverse group and guys coming from such different backgrounds where in, in Holland, they, it's quite similar uh, in terms of their culture and where they come from, but they still have their challenges. And, and that's where the whole environment or the culture of, of our setup to their setup is. Yeah, it's, it's unique and it's a daily, it requires daily work and daily input and time and energy. And yeah, she, she's going through or they're having a few culture conversations at the moment in their squad, even though they've just won an Olympic gold medal. So it's, it's in every team. It's uh, it's not just you know our team who's trying to break into the top ten or top eight and or the, the top team in the world. So yeah, we do have we have some interesting conversations and and some end uh, let's just say with myself in the dog box. But it's yeah, it's it's all good and it's it's generally yeah we're trying to help each other and see if we can add some different insights to to our particular culture or, or team environment uh absolutely i mean look i, I can only imagine that uh there's there's some good learnings there and, and what we've seen is we've obviously seen quite a, a healthy relationship between uh, uh both your sides i mean we often see uh some of the dutch teams supporting the sa men um and vice versa and it's it's a great camaraderie and it must be uh you know, just a good lot of fun knowing that you've got some support from the best sides in the world. And then, of course, they had really good support with ex-teammate Rick Halkett, uh being one of the assistants at the Olympics. It also must have been pretty cool to to see that. Yeah, well, we actually, a lot of our coaches did exceptionally well. So, okay, with Jockey and Dave Staniforth with Aussie men, Craig Fulton with the Belgian men. Uh, Rex with the the Dutch national or the Dutch uh, ladies team. So yeah, the South Africans will always achieve wherever they are in whatever role they do, and and that was that was special to see how well Rex did, and and that was his first major international coaching role and got Olympic gold. So very special for him, and uh, he definitely had a solid hangover when he got back to Holland, and it was four days of partying with those Dutch ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, and obviously, Tim, as as we get uh, to to the end of the chat, I mean, obviously, the next uh, twelve months have a lot of hockey on the horizon for the South African. We've got the African Cup in in Ghana in January. Provided uh, we get uh, through that a year later, we'd have the World Cup, and uh, in between the two of those, we've got a Commonwealth Games. Are you uh, at present still available for selection for all of those? Yes, I'm still available and yeah, it's, it's hugely exciting. So 
we've got some some really good opportunities um, coming up for for us as a squad, and and yeah, we're going to really demand the best from each other and and try and put our put our foot down in terms of consistency as a squad. And and Spring was always said that Olympics was just a, an opportunity for another opportunity along the road in terms of the World Cup cycle uh, for us as as a group. So yeah, it's, and every tournament coming up now, every time we get together, is just is crucial and something that we won't take for granted as a group. So, yeah, huge exciting with the, the training camp in January and then Africa Cup. And, yeah, hopefully we can do something really good there and at the Com Games and then the World Cup. So, yeah, look, really looking forward to it. Stat of the show. All right, it's that time of the show. Every show now, we, we've done away with the one question quiz. That was for the first hundred is now the stats of the show. And in this week's show, uh, we can only talk about the Tokyo Olympic Games because uh, that's where Tim and the men starred. The stat for this week is that the South African men scored 16 goals at the Tokyo Olympic Games in just five games, uh, being the most South Africa have ever scored at an Olympic Games, 16 of course, even playing a game less than they played in Athens when they got 15. So exciting, young, dynamic team. 16 is the record. And I think in Paris, that record could be broken. Tim, uh, is there any chance uh, you're still going to make sure you're going all the way to Paris? Sure. I think I might need a wheelchair by 2023. But if I can avoid that wheelchair and effort and add value to the squad and enjoy hockey then yeah i'd love to be part of that you heard it here ladies and gents the man who's going to lead south africa to 2023 tim drummond in south africa go and win one of the medals why not the world is changing and uh this team is on an upward spiral tim thanks so much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure thanks for uh, um, making the time and i know we've uh, done some good shuffling here but i'm glad we got to talk in 2021 uh, we'll definitely be touching base with you in 2022 as we we uh, watch how the team grows over the year and answers their challenges. Good luck from our side. You you have our support, and there is no doubt in my mind that you have the support of the South African hockey family. Thank you, Taya. Thanks to you and Derek for just promoting our awesome sport. Uh, we really appreciate it. And, yeah, good things to come for both our ladies and men's team. Oh, thanks so much, Tim. It's uh, been an absolute pleasure having you on board. And, yeah, we feel honoured. I mean, geez, we're, we're in the presence of hockey royalty and not just South African hockey royalty, but uh, worldwide hockey royalty. Tim, uh, enjoy a little bit of time off, but uh, yeah, we can't wait to see you back on the fields around the world in some of your favourite countries and more. Cheers, my man. Cheers, Derek. Thank you. Cheers. All right, Ty, another one smashed out the park and uh, yeah, what a guest. Yeah, absolutely. What a great inspirational leader he is. And uh, I know many kids around the country who uh, list him right at the top of the list of people they want an autograph from. And I tell you what, if they go and watch, he'd probably stay there all day to make sure he gives it. Yeah. Nicest guy, talented individual. Uh, yeah, some people just get to the front of the queue. And uh, yeah, like you said, if he, if he didn't make it in hockey, he certainly would have been a cricketer. And uh, I understand he's a, a pretty good golfer too, Ty. 
Yeah, I mean, I think Tim is just good at any sport. So uh, we, we, we won't invite him to our football because uh, we don't like losing. Well, no, you don't like losing. I have to because I pretty much lose to everyone. Okay, ladies and gents, thanks so much. Uh, it's been great having you on board for episode 102. Yes, that was Tim giggling in the background. We thought he had signed off, but uh, I'm glad he got to hear that. Uh, yeah, see you soon for episode 103. It is Hockey the Podcast coming to you once again. Cheers.